When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall. I am your host, Tyler, and my co-host, Curtis, is back with me today to recap everything we learned from week three of Georgia's spring football practice. First off, guys, let me just apologize for this episode being out to you guys a day late. That is 100% on me. My wife and I had a chance to get away for the weekend, so we took that opportunity Normally, I would have just recorded the episode for Monday or Tuesday before I left, before I went out of town, and just set it up to release you guys on Monday or Tuesday, but it was a little more complicated this time around with the first spring scrimmage being held on Saturday, and knowing that was what Curtis and I were going to discuss on this episode, it was kind of hard to record that early because the scrimmage had not happened yet, so... We just decided to push it back a day, and that's why we're getting this out to you late Tuesday night. But that's my bad, and I do apologize for that, guys. But here we are. We are here today, and we are going to make up for it. But before we do that, before we get into what we learned from week three of spring practice, I do have a couple of quick things to throw your way. The first of which being our Glory UGA NCAA tournament bracket, with UConn just steamrolling through the competition Every single round of the tournament, March Madness is officially over. And guys, I gotta be honest with you. This is the best March Madness season I have ever had in the history of my life. I had UConn to win the whole thing, so I won basically every pool that I entered. And I also put my money where my mouth is with my bookie and put a couple future bets on UConn to make the Final Four, to make the championship game, and then to win the whole thing. So yeah, your boy made out pretty well this March Madness I'm not lying when I tell you guys I watch a lot of college basketball. But anyway, we aren't here to talk about me. We have some gift cards, as promised, to give out to the top three finishers in our Glory UGA tournament bracket. But I need your help, guys. I need you to let me know exactly who you are. In retrospect, um, I probably should have put some stipulations on usernames so I could more easily identify who actually won these things, who was actually in the top three. So I need your help with this. In first place, tied with yours truly, is Luke at me now 18. So 
Luke at me now 18. If you are out there, if you're listening, hit us up on social media at glory underscore UGA. You can just DM me and uh, we will get that gift card. It's a $150 gift card for you. We'll get that out to you as soon as possible. In second place, we had KHAB3. If you are listening or if anyone knows KHAB3, please also hit me up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. And then Bad Kitty. You are the winner of a $50 Alumni Hall gift card. Our friends at Alumni Hall were kind enough to sponsor our bracket, and we want to make sure to get these gift cards out to you guys. So, again, Luke at me now, 18, KHAB3, Bad Kitty. If you were in our Glory UJ bracket, you're listening right now, please hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA, and we will get that stuff out to you. And also, speaking of social media, real quick before we get into spring practice, In an effort to grow the brand a little bit and also to help me promote my work at Dogs Daily where I have got an opportunity to do some writing, I have started my own personal Twitter account which is not something that I've ever done. I'm a pretty private guy for the most part and um, I've never wanted to like, I don't know, I, I know this sounds crazy because I run a podcast and it would seem like that's just part of the deal but I've never been interested in being like quote unquote famous or like having my name all out there. In reality, I am um, a really introverted, weird guy. So I've always kind of really valued my anonymity, which again, I know seems counterintuitive when you run a Georgia podcast or a podcast of any kind, right? Because you're kind of like by definition putting yourself out there. And and you guys have probably figured this out over the years, right? Especially you guys have been around for a long time. Our podcast has grown more than I ever thought was remotely possible over the last eight years. But saying that, my desire to kind of remain as anonymous as possible, which again, I know, counterintuitive, I get it. But as much as possible has certainly gotten in the way of our podcast growing any bigger or larger than it has because quite honestly I just haven't been willing to do the things that it takes for a podcast like really take off all the social media stuff you know Instagram lives Twitter spaces videos on TikTok all that kind of stuff Look, guys I I'm not I mean I'm not a smart man but I'm also not like a moron I know I, I live in the world. I live in reality. I, I live in our culture now. I understand what you kind of have to do for uh, you know content like a podcast to really kind of take off and to grow your brand and grow your audience. I'm very well aware of all of that. But as you all know, I don't really ever do any of that or very rarely do I do any of that because, again, I'm just um, a weird introverted dude and like to kind of stay to myself as much as possible and, and kind of freaks me out the idea that my name would get out there a little bit more. It's just kind of in, it's just one of those things. It makes me nervous. I get kind of weird out. It's just, um, yeah, it's a weird thing. I've always really valued just being able to, to do my thing, to live my life here in Athens, the greatest town in the history of the world. Just go out, go to games, go downtown, run down Millage with my shirt off, and no one know who I am. Like, I, I've always kind of valued that. But I, I do know that's been at the expense of the growth of our podcast. And I've kind of gotten to the point where, I mean, you guys, I, I, you know, I've, I've said this many times. We put a lot of time into this podcast. Uh, I do. I, I put a lot of time and effort and energy into this podcast. This is not a full-time job for me. I, I do have a full-time job, but this is something that basically is a full-time job. I put about as many hours as you would into a full-time job, especially now that I am doing some work with Dogs Daily. 
But I've kind of gotten to the point now where we've been doing this for eight years and it's kind of like, okay, you know, I'm putting this much time, this much energy, this much effort to producing the best quality Georgia content, college football, college sports content I can for you guys. And it just doesn't make any sense for me to put that much time, effort, and energy into it and then kind of like sabotage the potential growth of the podcast. That kind of defeats the purpose of having a podcast. And I've just gotten to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? Screw it. You've got to get over it. you got to put yourself out there a little bit more and maybe do some of the things that it takes to grow a podcast that I have kind of resisted doing in the past. So that's kind of what's going on here. And one of those things that I have resisted doing is having my own personal Twitter account. I've always just used our Glory UGA Twitter account as like my personal Twitter account, to be honest with you. But we're going to separate the two. We're still going to tweet from the Glory UGA account. But I've also started my own personal account, which I'm pulling it up right here to make sure I give you the actual correct information here. Okay. The personal account is at Tyler Graves CFB. That's at Tyler G-R-A-V-E-S-C-F-B. And guys, I know that you already do so much to support our podcast. I mean, just listening here, supporting us through the years, I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. But if you don't mind, I would be so appreciative of any of you, if you would please give me a follow at that new account at Tyler Graves CFB. I'm going to have a lot more content for you guys than I put out on the the Glory UGA account. Again, we're still going to tweak from that, do some stuff there as well. But I'm going to have um, a lot of good content for you guys from this personal account. Obviously, a ton of Georgia stuff because, you know, I'm a Georgia guy. But just also a lot of general college football stuff, college basketball stuff, college sports stuff, just general thoughts on things going on. So I I think you guys will enjoy that. I I think I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be weird for me at first i i'm not gonna lie i've i've really i kind of always relished being like a nobody um so it's kind of weird for me not that i'm somebody or anything like that but just kind of having my name out there more it's a little bit different for me so it's gonna be new but it's gonna be great and again i would really 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 appreciate it if you would just throw me a quick follow at, again it's at tyler graves cfb but anyway let's move on guys enough of that enough of that we don't want any more about that nobody cares right Curtis is finally here. I've kind of been stalling here, trying to wait for Curtis to to jump on here, but he is now officially here. So let's go ahead and move into what we learned from week three of spring practice. Curtis, I know, man, that we've talked about the quarterback position, I think, on every single one of these what we learned from spring practice episodes. But, man, we're going to do it again today because, I mean, let's, let's be real, dude. It is the most important position on the field, and... Our chances of pulling off the three-peat will hinge largely on the play that we get out of that position, whoever it may end up being. Now, we did have our first scrimmage of the spring on Saturday. Again, that's why I was waiting for this episode because I wanted to see what came out of spring, see if I could get a, a few morsels of information from here and there. And we got a little bit of stuff. There's also Kirby uh, his second press conference of the spring, so a lot of stuff coming out of that as well. But in that press conference, the post-scrimmage press conference, Kirby emphatically did not name a starter coming out of the first scrimmage. Um, yeah, that was never going to happen. We know this. But Curtis, I will say this. Even though like I, he didn't name a starter and I, I knew that he wouldn't, like that's just not going to happen. We've talked about that. But Curtis, I am, following that press conference, I am now convinced more than ever that Carson Beck is going to win this quarterback job. 
I, I know that's not really going out on a limb because he was the top backup to Stetson last season. He was, at least in my mind, the odds-on favorite to win the job coming into spring practice. But like to me, it's not even a matter of him being the odds-on favorite anymore. I, I think he is going to win this job. And, and here's why, Curtis. And I'm going to go ahead and apologize one more time, guys. I know this does not make for great podcasting, great radio, like reading quotes from a press conference. I, I generally shy away from that because it's just, like, who wants to hear me read long quotes? So I, I know that that kind of sucks, but I'm going to do it here. I got a couple of quotes for you from, from Kirby's press conferences. I think they are really insightful into Kirby's mindset when it comes to choosing who the quarterback's going to be and, and who's going to win this job. So here's the first. This one's a little bit longer. Just stick with me here, all right? So this kind of set this up. Kirby was asked later on in the press conference, really kind of towards the end of the press conference, what he was looking for in a quarterback, like when, in terms of like deciding who's going to win this job, like what are like the decisive factors? And Kirby said, quote, demeanor and communication. And he goes on to say, I can get the stats, but a true quarterback is a decision maker. In our system, because some systems take all the pressure off the quarterback and they just go really fast, we don't do that. We are a quarterback-driven offense. So can you process the information? That means to signal, you get people lined up, then see what the defense is in and figure out, are we in the right situation? Which of these three choices Coach Bobo's given me am I going to utilize on this play? And then the play happens and there might be a mistake or breakdown and you do not go full metal jacket and have catastrophe mode and put us in a bad situation. Decision making is the number one thing I want to see at the quarterback position. Can you make consecutive good decisions over and over that don't cost our team games? Because we have enough playmakers and we have enough plays that you'll make a play inevitably. Don't make a bonehead play. That's what we're trying to avoid. End quote. Whew. Okay. Yes, I know. Thank you for sticking with me. I know that was a long quote there, but I think that's important. And here's the second quote, guys. All right. So Kirby sets up. That's what he's looking for in a quarterback. That's what's important to him. And then here's what he has to say. He's kind of going through the strengths of the different quarterbacks. Here's what he had to say about Carson Beck. He said, quote, Carson has really good command of the offense. He understands it inside and out. He communicates it. He gets things correct. Curtis, I thought that was both those quotes together. It were very extremely revealing about how this quarterback competition, where where it currently stands and also ultimately how it's going to play out. Unless Brock or Gunner are just so obviously more talented than Carson, Kirby is going to go with Carson because where he is in his development and his career at this point, it just more closely fits and aligns with, with Kirby's very clearly stated top criteria in what he is looking for in a quarterback. Honestly, I'm not even, I guess it's still technically a competition, but I don't even like want to entertain it as a competition anymore. I think it's going to be Carson Beck unless he completely just falls off the face of the earth. Kurt, what, 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 am I reading too much of that? What was your take from what Kirby had to say? Um, I mean, I, I think you're kind of on track and I think he, it's also a reminder for Carson because from the reports of, you know, that, have come out he you know went through a stretch where I think he had three picks um, yes and what I was told that with those three picks was, yes he did have three picks that is true but it was all situational stuff where you know sometimes when you're doing situational offense you kind of force things because like you know you're not playing a real full game so sometimes that tends to happen but obviously you're right you would like to not see three picks and Kirby Kirby was you know pretty open like hey 
Carson made some mistakes today. He threw some balls that he probably wants back. He probably shouldn't have thrown. He's got to make better decisions. But he also said those things about how he commands the offense. He did not say anything remotely like that about the other two. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and, I, and you know, that's kind of where I've been this whole time where I, I ultimately do think Carson Beck will be the quarterback. And going off what, you know, kind of what he said, and, you know, you're talking about how he didn't really talk about it to other people. And I think it's true. And I think for him to be in a situation where he goes with one of the other guys, they have to do all those things and better. And from what it looks like, that's not been the case so far. They just have they, – they would have to be head and shoulders above more talented than Carson Beck. And they might they might ultimately long-term, ceiling-wise, be slightly more talented. I'm not ready to concede that. But may, let's just even, for the sake of argument, say, okay, yeah, they're slightly more talented. But it, it's certainly not demonstrable, right, Curtis? Like, it's not a significant gap in the overall talent level between Carson and the other two. And I think Carson's honestly probably just as talented. Maybe just, he's not quite the athlete, but arm talent, probably the most talented of those three or certainly in the conversation. So I just don't think there's a big enough gap when it comes to talent. And so when you factor in what Carson has in terms of experience in this system and clearly has Kirby's trust when Kirby says point, and Kirby, Kirby, you know Kirby, like he will tell it how it is in a press conference. He's not going to butter it up. So when when Kirby sits there and says that Carson Beck has really good command of the offense, he understands it inside now, he gets things correct, that, that speaks volumes to me about where we are in this quarterback battle. Because again, he did not say anything about Brock or or Gunner in in that regard, like nothing remotely close. I thought that was was very very revealing. And Curtis, in a lot of ways, it's it's not this okay because there was we we know like there was a talent gap in terms of talent. There was a big a much bigger talent gap between Justin Fields and Jake Fromm back in twenty in what twenty eighteen right. But it's the same concept. Why did Jake Fromm? I know we don't want to rehash this all over again. We've done that too many times. But I mean, I think it fits here. Why did Jake Fromm win that job, Curtis? It wasn't because he was more talented than Justin Fields. It was because he had mastery of the system. He had command of the offense. Just like Carson, he understood it inside out. He communicated. He gets things correct. And Justin Fields wasn't there yet as a true freshman. Now, I, as I've said many times, if Justin stuck around for the year, I think he would have gotten there and would have won the job, but he decided to take his ball and leave, whatever. But we've already seen that one time in 2018. Now, whether you think that was a mistake or not, Kirby believes that. Kirby believes that you have to have a quarterback that has command of the offense, which he said, like demeanor and communication. Like, can you be a decision maker? Those are things that matters. When Carson's experience, like, again, I I, I felt like he was going to be the guy coming into, into the spring, but now I'm just, I'm firmly convinced. Like, I don't even really want to entertain as a battle anymore. I just, I think right now it's a battle for who's going to be the backup quarterback at this point. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but that's kind of where I am with that right now. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, those are the guys who are going to have a chance. And then we still have Brock Vandergriff getting reps to the one. So that, that I mean, that, that matters to, to some degree. So he's still in the competition. I just, for me, I, I just, I think it's Carson Beck at this point. All right, Curtis, let's move on a little bit more here. Um, let's go to the, some of the outside linebackers. Now, this is another group that we talked a little bit about, I think, last week, maybe in the first week of spring practice. One of those weeks we talked about it. But Kirby was asked about the outside linebacker position, our jack linebacker position. And, uh, again, I'm going to read you a short little quote on this one. He said, quote, green, extremely green, never seen one as green. Curtis, I've been pretty open uh, through spring practice and leading up to spring practice that this was the position I was most concerned about coming into this season. I want to get your take here. How concerned are you about where we are at that Jack linebacker position? Um, I'm extremely concerned. And I think that the, one of the biggest reasons is people, I don't think, understand how important that position is at setting the edge and stopping the run game. It's absolutely critical. 
And I think that right now being so green, which is the key position, to what we do defensively, Curtis, right? Being able to stop the run with even numbers. Exactly. And right now being so green is scary because we've Fortifying. seen so many times where we've gotten beat or in the past, you think back to Florida years ago where they threw the ball like less than 10 times to beat us because Leonard Floyd couldn't contain the edge. You just see how important holding the edge is for this team. Absolutely. It's so critical, man. I mean, that is a big position in our defense. I mean, we, we, we've had an answer. Think about what we've had during Kirby Smart's time here in Athens at that position. I mean, there was a, a time, what, like two, three short years ago where we were talking about how that was the, the deepest, strongest position on the team, right? When you had guys like Aziz Ojolari, you had Britton Cox at one point, which, I mean, so obviously we know what Britton Cox is, but you have him, you have Adam Anderson, you have Nolan Smith in there. You have uh, Jermaine. What was Jermaine's last name, Curtis? From Johnson. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. There you go. Uh, who's now playing the NFL? Like all those dudes in one room. You're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, this is this is a really really good unit. And then all those guys either transferred out or had legal issues or went to the NFL. And now we're in a position where what was just two or three short years ago, the the deepest strongest position on the on the team, at least arguably, now in my opinion is clearly the thinnest. And most concerning, I don't want to say it's the weakest. We have a ton of talent. We've recruited that position really well over the last two years. But the thing is, is basically none of them have played at all. And as Kirby said, I, I agree with him. I've, I've never seen, at least at Georgia, I've never seen an outside linebacker unit this green. I mean, we have so much talent there. So I'm not going to call it weak, but the inexperience is highly, highly concerning. Where does it rank? You because like, I know I, I've been open that it's it's my biggest concern right now. Where does it rank for you among your top concerns going this season? Probably is the biggest concerns. I think that's the such an important position in our defense, coupled with the fact of just some of the guys that you would hope or that would probably benefit the most from getting some reps there aren't able to go this spring, which is a cause of concern. But it's also you're hoping that the the early enrollees that have come in when you're looking at Mim Pimba, Damon Wilson, I think I saw. I think I th- saw all he is, three. He, he, he did enroll early, yeah. Yeah, all three guys. We were unsure yeah. about that previously, but yeah, all we three were, guys he, enrolled he early. Enrolled. So they are going to benefit from it, but it does is scary that the guys who probably will get the most PT to start the year aren't able yeah, to Yeah, Wilson benefit. was not one of the guys that enrolled early, like before or for bowl practices, but he did enroll in January. So yeah, all three of those highly rated guys, top 100 guys, or top 75 guys actually in 247 are here on campus as true freshmen, early enrollees. Mar- now, I-, I would feel a lot better. Like, how much better would you feel, Curtis, if we had guys like Marvin Jones Jr. and Jalen Walker out there going through drills this spring? I'd feel a lot better, a lot more a comfortable lot because, I mean. At least they've been in the system for a year. Yes, and I think that they were, would be the ones that benefit the most from the reps. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I felt like one of those two guys might emerge as the guy, and I still think they m- probably will, but it certainly doesn't help for them to miss the spring. Because I, I, I look, I know the position's – aren't decided they aren't won and lost necessarily in spring practice but this is where you develop this is the time of year where you're exclusively working on you and getting better you're not doing any game prep stuff nothing like that no game planning it's literally install and drill work and you're just trying to improve and you're just trying to get better now you can certainly put yourself in a good position to earn some playing time and and be in a good position to win the battle going into fall camp but it's usually not won or lost in the spring. It kind of opens some eyes for sure. But that's where like guys like Marvin Jones Jr. and Jalen Walker, I mean, Jalen Walker came as an inside linebacker. 
And I, I, I think he's going to play outside linebacker now. Well, we haven't gotten like full confirmation on that 100% from Kirby, but he's kind of alluded to that in some of these press conferences. So I do think he's going to play outside linebacker, at least in the third down packages as a rusher off the edge there. Marvin Jones Jr. is clearly a, a jack linebacker for us. And they're, they're super talented guys, and they have a little bit more experience than some of these young dudes, but they, they you know, they – didn't play much that last year, Curtis. I mean, Marvin dealt with a lot of injury. That's why he didn't get much more playing time once uh, Nolan went down. So these guys are in desperate need of reps at that position, both of them, as talented as they are. And and not having those reps, um, that concerns me. I, I would feel – I still wouldn't feel great about that position going into 2023 with all the inexperience, if, even if they were out there. But I sure would feel a lot better if they were out there. Just got to put that out there. So I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm still very, very concerned about that position – all right, guys, real quick, before we move on with more spring practice talk, I want to quickly remind you about our friends at Alumni Hall. I know things are, are, are looking tough for the Diamond Dogs right now. It's uh, It's been a frustrating watch, to be sure. But, hey, we still got to support them, right, through thick and thin. And Alumni Hall has all the latest Georgia baseball gear to get you set up for those SEC weekend series here in the Classic City. There's also still plenty of national and championship gear ready for you guys to pick up as well. You can check it all out in store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens or online if that's easier for you at alumnihall.com. But make no mistake about it, guys. If you're looking for Georgia gear, Alumni Hall has you covered every way imaginable because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. Okay, so we just got done talking about the outside linebacker position, the jack position. Let's speak. Let's talk about another guy. He kind of an edge player. He's not a jack, but we lost another player to injury. Yet another one, Curtis, for the remainder of the spring, as Michael Williams or Five Tech defensive end has undergone a, a yeah, Kirby had described it as a pretty minor foot surgery to repair what was a nagging injury from last season. He could play through it, but it was just painful, and he was not really a hundred percent. It's kind of explaining the points last year why he didn't disappear, but he would start off really strong and then kind of hit a, a little bit of a lull there or a plateau for a minute there, but obviously dealing with injury now, now that we, we fully know that. So this is a guy, Curtis, that we both felt was in line to make a massive jump this season. He is going to be back. Kirby said he'll be out for a couple of months, but he'll be back in time for summer workouts and fall camp, which is great. That's, that's the silver lining here. But again, we're talking about a guy that – Played more than Marvin Jones Jr. and Jalen Walker did last year, but still is a young player, a very young player. So in terms of development, Curtis, and what he can do, like in terms of like making that big jump in year two, like you and I expected him to, how much does this set Michael back? I don't think it really set him back much at all. I mean, yes, he was having a big breakout uh, spring by all accounts. Um, that's the thing but, he did. He did get at least like half a spring in. Yeah. And I, when I think, you know, he is one of these guys that got a lot more playing time than all the other freshmen going into year two. Um, you know, he was an early enrollee, got all that, you know, and I think if anything, it actually sets him forward because like they said, this was a, a nagging injury that you don't want to go into the season with. So I think it benefits yeah. him to actually go ahead and get ahead of it, take care of it and not potentially miss any time or miss practice time during the season when you need some of those important reps to get comfortable in game preps. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kind of like what you saw with Lad McConkie because Lad really got out of the flow of things and became a liability at times catching the ball when he started having to miss practice because of his feet, uh, the injuries to his feet. Absolutely. A hundred percent, man. And like, if you're gonna get it cleaned up, this is the time to get it cleaned up. Like w- ideally, would we love to have him all spring? Yeah, of course. But if the question becomes, all right, 
what would you rather have? Would you rather lose him for the, the back half of spring practice and have him 100% will go in the summer and fall camp and for the season or have him practice the last couple of weeks of spring and, and he still has to deal with this nagging injury all the way through the 2023 season? Obviously, I want him to get it cleaned up, right? So I, I, I don't love it, um, but it seems like it's a minor thing and Kirby seemed pretty confident he'll be okay. Before we move on, I do want to ask you about Michael here because, you know, again, we, we both have been predicting and talking about how we believe he's a guy that's going to make a big jump for us this year. But how much do we need him to make that big jump? Chris, like how important is Michael to our 2023 defense? I think he's really important because I think he's going to be, a, he's going to be one of the main pieces that's going to be able to create pressure on the line. Absolutely, of course. And here's, I'm going to go back. This is why I had this kind of organized this way, talking about the outside linebackers and then Michael Williams, the injury. So we just talked about how green we are and how inexperienced we are and, and just how generally concerned we are, Curtis, about that position, the Jack linebacker position, which is our typically our primary edge rushing position. Well, if that is the case, which it is, it certainly helps mitigate those concerns when you have a guy as dynamic as Michael Williams who doesn't play Jack but he plays a five-tech defensive end, which has not traditionally been a, a, a major pass rushing threat in our defense. It's not usually what we ask them to do, but Michael has those skill set, has that skill set in a way that really no one else in the Kirby Smart era has had. I mean, we know Trayvon Walker went number one overall, but until his, you know, his final year here in Athens, he wasn't ever a dynamic pass rusher. And even, even then he, like, he improved, but he also wasn't a dynamic pass rusher, even his final year here uh, in 2021. Michael has been that guy from day one since he stepped foot on campus. So he is very important to our defense, in my opinion, because as you're saying, like if we, if we have some issues at the Jack position, it really, really helps to have a guy on the other end of Michael who can rush the pass and also set the edge with authority over there on his side. So I think he, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say he's the most important player on our defense, but I, I think he's in the conversation when you factor in the circumstances and, and, and kind of where we are thin at other positions and how he co- could potentially complement that position. So I think he's critical to our, to our team. I really do. And I, I want to get him back fully healthy. And that's why I'm actually like, I don't, again, I'm not, I would prefer him not to have surgery, but I'm kind of happy that he got it now because I think that will better enable him to be the guy that you and I think he can be and that I think he needs to be for us going into this next season. All right, Kurt, let's move on a little bit more here. Let's stick with the defense. We talked about the secondary last week. And when we in, in the midst of that conversation, Curtis, we talked about different options at safety. And one thing that we mentioned briefly, briefly at the end of the conversation, if I, if I remember correctly, was the possibility of Javon Bullard, who was our starting uh, star defender, our, our nickelback, if for lack of a better term, what used to be called nickelback once upon a time, is we, we, we broached the idea of him getting a look at safety. And lo and behold, Curtis, in his press conference, Kirby offered up another revealing quote following that first spring scrimmage. Yeah, I'm going to read one more quick quote, quote for you guys. He said, quote, when we recruited Javon out of high school, he was a deep part of the field player. He broke on balls, made lots of tackles. The things we saw on tape, we see now. He's competing for the strong for the strong safety spot. He's repping star. So we're very pleased with where he is, but we're trying to continue to get him better. Curse, maybe I'm crazy, and maybe I just have bad reading comprehension skills. I don't know. That sure as hell sounds a lot to me like Javon Bullard is getting a long, long look at safety. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I think you are. I mean, everything that we're hearing and seeing is really pointing towards a defensive backfield of 
him, Malachi Starks, and then Tyke Smith over there at star. Yeah, and like I had been told that he was getting looks at safety, and that's kind of why we brought it up last week. But I, I was more of the mind. I didn't get a ton of information on. It. I was of the mind. Like, oh, it's it's just one of those things where we're cross training. So that's what we're at to do back there. We want to cross train, get the best guys out there. So I thought it was more that kind of thing. But now with Curry saying those kind of things about Javon, I mean, I don't see how you read that any other way. I don't, I don't know how else you take that other than he is right now probably going to be our starting safety next to Malachi Starks. And he's still repping star because we still cross train guys. But when you say he's competing for the strong safety spot and repping star, that's to, to me, they're saying he's working at safety and he's also getting some reps at star, like just cross train stuff. I, I think right now, Curtis, if I, if I had to project him, I, I project the position, I would say it's, like, like, yeah, like you just said, I would say it's going to be Javon Bullard at, at safety, which I did not think was going to be the case coming into spring practice. To be honest with you, Curtis, uh, I'm not going to say you're lie. I did not see that coming, and maybe I should have. Maybe I should have thought about that a little bit more because he did play some safety coming out of high school, but he's just been too, so dynamic at that position at star last year. I thought it was going to be really difficult for us to move him from that spot, but I don't know. How do you feel about that, Kurt? Um, I'm a little unsure because I I don't know about him. You know, Chris Smith was really good in the back end. Um, yeah, especially when you think of making plays on the ball and you know, in coverage, I think Smith is better than Bullard. I don't know how great they have to be realistically, but I still don't think Bullard is as strong in his coverage skills. Yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, look, caveat here. Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp know far more about football than I could ever dream, ever dream of knowing, right? Like I, these guys, I trust these guys. How can you not back-to-back national championships? Like I, I, I have a hard time criticizing Kirby Smart, and I'm not going to do that here because these guys are at practice and they they know a lot more about this stuff than I do. We have to acknowledge that. But you know, just playing the armchair quarterback here, Curtis. I still like again. I have some concerns, man, because he was dynamic at star, like the best star we have had in the Kirby Smart era. And honestly, I don't think it was even remotely close. Like most Smith was pretty good for us, you know, in 2016. And, you know, Mark Webb did some decent things here and there. But like, I mean, he's the best star we've had, right? I, I believe he is. Yeah. And the way, I mean, he's a small guy, but the way he would fit against the run and basically play inside linebacker at times when you have formations in the boundary, we haven't had a guy that can do that kind of thing. And again, defending the run with even numbers in the box is critical for our defense and what we try to do. And it's going to be critical for our quest for a third straight national championship. And he is as good as I have seen in a Georgia uniform doing that from the star position. Now saying that, Tyke Smith also was the third team All-American a couple of years ago playing what they call the spear position for West Virginia, which is basically the equivalent of our star position. So it's not like he's some scrub out there. He's a guy that's got a lot of experience, maybe not so much in our system with his injuries and, and, and whatnot, but has had a lot of experience and a lot of success at the college level at that position. So I guess on some level it makes sense. Are you... If, it, if Buller does end up playing safety, Curtis, are you, are we just assuming that it's Tyke Smith that's going to be the star? Um, I, th- I think we're assuming. I, I don't think you can rule out other players, but I think right now he has a leg up. Now, one guy that we haven't really talked about much on this podcast, at least during the spring, Curtis, and we probably should have. I guess this is an oversight on my part. Dayon Bowie, you know, Smoke Bowie, transferred from A&M out of Bainbridge. You know, this is a former five-star DB himself. Obviously, he's new to our system here. I think he could certainly play star. Does he factor in to that battle? Or is it just, are you, again, assuming it's going to be Tyke Smith? 
You know, I do think he factors in, and the main reason I say that is because, I mean, they're giving him reps at corner. They're giving him reps at star. They believe in him enough to make plays in the defensive backfield, so you have to think he'll be a a part of it. Yeah, I think he's going to be a part of it. Now, Kirby did actually mention Bowie um, directly in the press conference. He said, you know, talking about some of the guys that are playing. And look, this is here's another revealing quote, okay? So this is why I, I do think it's Tyke. So Kirby was asking, or he was asked about the transfers, like at receiver Rara and, and Dominic Lovett. And he said, Dom has picked things up nicely. He's very intelligent. He's been able to make some plays on the field. And listen to this. He gets to match up against Tyke, Bullard, and Jonell a lot. Well, what position does Dominic Lovett play? He's a slot wide receiver, Curtis. And who would be covering the slot wide receiver? The star position, right? And who did Kirby mention first? In terms of guarding Dominic Lovett, Ty Key. Now, is that just a coincidence? Maybe. I don't know, but probably not, right? So I think it's probably going to be Ty Key there. And then he goes on, he mentions Smoke Bowie. He says Smoke Bowie's another guy that has to learn the defense. He's got a long way to go, but he's picking it up. He's not afraid to go out there and compete. So it sounds like Smoke Bowie's in the conversation, but he's not the guy right now. I think he's the guy that's going to be a backup this year and hopefully going into 2024 he'll be a guy that steps up and takes over tyke smith potentially at that position but coming from AM, it's a different kind of defense a different culture different expectations honestly so he's got to pick up on all that stuff so i don't think he's going to end up winning that job he's a highly 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 talented guy but i think right now with his experience and the success he's had at the college level especially going back to west virginia as a 13 mile american i would say it's gonna be tyke smith that'd be my projection here at this point in spring practice um all right Kurt so uh, a couple more things here real quick one thing Kirby was asked about and I just kind of mentioned the transfer wide receivers but Kirby was specifically asked in the press conference on Saturday if this was the fastest group of wide receivers that we have had since he has been here as our head coach he kind of equivocated in it was basically more or less like, I can't really say for sure. I don't know. Maybe possibly. Who knows? But what is your take on that, Curse? Is this the fastest group of receivers that we have had in the Kirby Smart era? Um, I think no question there is. When no question. Speed, I mean, yeah. when you look at the speed across the board, I don't know how you can't say that is the case. Um, You know, even the years, you know, the first couple of years, we never really had speedsters. I mean, Terry Godwin was made our slot receiver, really, and he was not a burner. Um, So you really have to, I mean you have to look across the board where you see this much speed between all the players. I mean, um, Riley Ridley was never a, really a burner. No, um, we, we really haven't had many speed Nicole, guys. George, the closest we've had to that. Exactly. Nicole wasn't, it was just him. And Isaiah McKenzie, I guess in 2016, but it was just him. I mean, he was, he was our only receiving threat really in 2016. Yeah. I don't, I, I think it has to be our fastest wide receiving you. Like there's, you're exactly right. There's no question it is. I mean, I know Kirby doesn't want to like bash his other other players in years past, so he's not going to say it, you know, directly. But I mean, that's just be real, Kirby. It, it, it clearly is. We got Arian Smith, who's a former All American track star, who was a part time track play, track athlete, but was able to get All American honors despite only being a part time track guy. He ran a ten one hundred meter. Uh, C.J. Smith's a ten two eight hundred meter guy. He's a sub twenty one and a two hundred guy. Andy Evans, true freshman's a 10 to 700 meter guy coming out of high school. Dominic Lovett, I don't have a track time for him, but we know Dominic Lovett can absolutely fly and he's explosive. So, I mean, the, and the, I'm not even mentioning Lad McConkey here, Curtis. So, it's there's zero questions about it. It's a thousand percent the fastest, most explosive receiving unit that we have. Now, how does it translate on the field? How does that speed translate? I don't know. Remains to be seen. But 
the speed is there and it's it, it's there to a degree that we have never remotely had under Kirby Smart. And that has me very, very, very excited. Last thing here, Curtis, stick on the wide receivers real quick. I'll get you out of here, man. So a lot of speed, a lot of speed out there. We do have some experience now. How crazy would it be, Curtis, if I said that this Georgia wide receiver unit in 2023 has a chance to be the best wide receiver unit in the entire SEC this season? How crazy is that? You know, I actually don't think it's that crazy. And I think that, you know, with the additions of Rara and Dominic Lovett is the reason I say that is because I know Rara is still raw and has a lot. Um, you know, I think he can develop more and more. But Dominic Lovett is a, a proven commodity. I know Rara had big yardage, but he wasn't as consistent in, in my re- regards. Yeah. Um, but I think when you group those together with what you have with Ladd, Marcus Rosemey, Arian Smith, the big play threat, and some of these younger guys that are just waiting to take reps like C.J. Smith and Dylan Bell, that it's out there for – I mean – are between our two deep, we could still produce at a very high level. Absolutely. And look, Chris, I I think it I really believe this. I, and I know I'm a Georgia guy. You're gonna see everyone's gonna sit here and say, oh, you're just being a homer. No, guys, legitimately think about this. Who in the SEC right now are you gonna sit here with a straight face and say clearly a hundred percent has a better wide receiver than George going into this season? Like on the top of your head, Curtis, who? Um, most people will turn to maybe Tennessee and Alabama, but I really don't know if you can sit here and say unequivocally, no. I mean, Tennessee, dude, I don't know, man. Like when you're losing high, the thing is people will look at it and they'll still have yard. It's, you know, especially with Tennessee, it's a part of the offense. They like will Drew always McCoy's have- the only major contributor coming back yeah. from last year. And he's not, and he's not an explosiveness dude. He's just a big physical guy. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the thing people maybe in the year talk about their guys putting up yards, but I think when you look at proven, proven players are just right now not going off projections. It's hard to, to make that argument. When you look at the, the quantity of proven playmakers at the position and the potential and the guys that are underneath them that could potentially make massive steps forward this year that have incredible levels of talent and athleticism and explosiveness. I, I honestly don't know like right now on paper, which team is going to have a better wide receiver, wide receiver unit than we are? I know traditionally you would say Alabama, right? Like, no, I, Jermaine Burton's your number one guy. Come on, get out of here. No, get out of here with that, strong. Tennessee, I don't, I don't see what Tennessee is. They're going to put up massive numbers. That's what that offense does. But are they better receivers? I don't, I really don't think so. Uh, LSU, Malik Neighbors is a really good player, but as a, as an entire unit, I don't, I don't think that they do, man. I know that sounds crazy because we've been saying for years, you know, the one thing that we, the one area where we've kind of been lacking on the on the offensive side of the ball is like explosive playmakers at, at wide receiver. And that's kind of been one of those things we've been trying to recruit towards for a while. But I think all that recruiting has paid off because I think this legitimately has a chance to be the best wide receiver in the entire SEC. I'm not going to say the country because Ohio State's still out there. Uh, Washington's still out there. Guys like Roma Dunze, those are, those are legit teams. I mean, obviously USC as well. But in the SEC, I think we have a very legitimate shot to have the best wide receiver in, in the league. I really do. I really do. All right, guys, that does it for us here today. That's another week of Georgia spring football practice in the books. G-Day is creeping up on us, guys. I just bought my tickets today. I think they're going on sale to the general public at some point tomorrow on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that, guys. I kind of missed the days where you didn't have to buy tickets to G-Day. Not for the money. It's five bucks a ticket. It's not that big of a deal. But it was nice just be able to show up and find whatever seat in whatever part of the stadium you wanted to sit in. That was kind of cool, but I think those days are, are behind us now. 
So if you are looking to go, make sure you jump on that as quickly as you get an opportunity to, guys. Uh, also, heads up, the south side of the stadium, there's construction going on over there. So that part of the stadium is going to be closed to fans, closed to the public on G-Day. So there is going to be, I mean, it's still a huge stadium, but there's going to be limited seating. So don't wait. If you think you want to go, go ahead and buy the tickets. If you need to sell them, you can always sell them later to somebody else or give them away. But if you think you might want to go, make sure you jump on those as soon as you possibly can because they will go fast. Also, just one more reminder, as I said at the outset of the podcast, I have started my own Twitter account that I would love for you guys to give me a follow on. I would be greatly appreciative of that. Again, it's at Tyler Graves CFB. Just a quick follow. It'll take you about three seconds, and uh, I would really appreciate it. So thank you in advance for that. Thank you also for being here like you are each and every week during the year in season off season it doesn't matter we're always gonna be here for you guys with all the content that you need to fill that georgia football fix and uh we appreciate you guys coming back week after week thank you for that i will be back on friday this week so new wednesday friday episodes this week because my schedule got pushed back a little bit but i'll be back with another friday five edition of the podcast later this week so make sure to check back then but uh for curtis i'm tyler and as always go dogs <laughs>